I'm Todd. Coming to you from the uh, Verona Sports and Spiritual Library here in my apartment in Verona, Wisconsin. We're well, on the overcast side today, but the pool will be rocking by two, so. Um, doing a little, uh, doing a couple readings from out of the closer as uh, Major League players review their inside pitch on the saving the game. Kevin Neary and Lee Tobin. Um, I'm just reading about it because how much the uh, the closer role has been uh, talked about in uh, in baseball today. So we got Rowan Rally Fingers, 1968 to 1985. Rowan Rally Fingers is born on August 25th, 1946. The right-hander, widely considered the pioneer of modern relief pitching. Is probably more known for his famous handlebar mustache than helping career. Fingers' career began in 1964 when he received the early Christmas present of being signed by the Kansas City Athletics as an amateur free agent on December 24th. But his signing was not his first time of baseball. I grew up with baseball, Fingers shared. When I was little, my dad played in the minor leagues in the St. Louis organization. He and Stan Mitchell were roommates. This was when Stan Mitchell was a pitcher. They roomed together and then suddenly one day, Stan played in a game in the outfield and went four for four. Never went back to pitching. Another baseball game. I guess, I guess that is how Stan became the man. I grew up in the middle of baseball all of my life. My father taught me everything about the game. Most of all, he taught me the proper mechanics of how to throw a baseball correctly. That is the biggest thing when you are a kid and it's fine to sign. You are a kid is to find someone who knows the proper way of throwing a baseball so you are not hurting your arm. There is a certain way of throwing a baseball and he taught me the right way. So I've been around this game all my life, playing when I was nine. When I first got to the Little League, then all the way up through the Pony League, high school, American Legion, and then in professional ranks, I have been around it forever. 1968, the same year the Athletics moved from Kansas City to Oakland, Fingers made his Major League debut. In the early years, he made a few starts, but his niche was relief. Over the course of his career, of the 944 games he pitched, 907 came in relief. He earned 341 career saves with a career best of 37 in 1978 in 107 and a third innings. Something like 10% of his saves were three innings or more unheard of these days. I don't know the exact number of fingers left, but I know there, was, there were a lot of them. I do know that I had 14 or 15 saves that were four innings. The starter went five innings. I went with the sixth, seventh, and eighth, and ninth. I also knew that I had 200 saves that were one and two-thirds innings of an inning, two, two, two innings. Whoops. What was the reason? What was the reason? 
I also knew that I had two hundred saves that were one and two thirds of an inning to two innings. There we go. I'm not too much into the to statistics of how long or how many innings I went. Your closer role of today is totally different than the game we played coming in for just one inning in the lead with no guys on base. When I played the game, the starter would go out there and finish unless they are really in trouble. And then the relief pitcher would come in. I don't know how many games I came into the, with the bases loaded and nobody out. They don't do this. They don't do this nowadays. These guys of today came coming with nobody on and nobody out. If he were pitching today, his approach would be very, would vary greatly. It would be different because when I was playing, I had to be ready to go in and into sixth inning. Said Fingers. If the pitcher would get into trouble, I'd be warming up. If he then got one out, if he then got out of it, then I'd then I'd sit down. In a game, I might be up three to four times in a bullpen. These guys today, they're only going to go in at the ninth inning. So in the eighth inning, they can get up and start getting loose. And they know they are only going to pitch one inning. They only have to get up and throw once. I was, I was constantly getting up and sitting down. When I was, pay when I was playing, you had to learn how to warm up. You had to watch the game while you were standing in the mound, on the mound, in the bullpen. You had to see the whole game from down there. Another thing too is they have TVs now in the bullpen. So they can just, it's, it's just so easy for them nowadays. Um, what I'm gonna say too, when, when the Brewers picked fingers up from St. Louis, they, uh, it's the biggest trade in the franchise's history. That goes, that's what got him into the uh, World Series. Um, when he, they picked up Pete Fukovich, Cy Young Award winner, Rod Fingers, Cy Young Award winner, and MVP. And uh, they picked up, uh, yeah, they, they picked up Ted Simmons too. That's what I was trying to think of. Another Hall of Famer. So we got two Hall of Famers and Vukovic out of the Hall of Fame too, but I don't think he's getting in there. But uh, what a great, what a great way to make a trade. And the thing is, is you know, it's like they looked like they were giving up a lot when they made the trade. So you know, it's it's the same thing as being, it's having a few vet, a few veterans on a team that a good young mix can can work with can work in with and blend. That's the way to have a team. He shared that the biggest asset a relief pitcher can have is control. You have to be able to throw the ball where you want, explained figures. You have to be able to get a first pitch strike. You have to be ahead of the hitters. If you stay ahead of the hitters and throw the ball where you want to, then you can be a successful relief pitcher. What good is a 96 mile per hour fastball if you can't throw it 
through an open garage. You have to be able to hit the glove. And if you hit the glove, the 10th man who is on the field will be your friend. He is the umpire. If you show the umpire that you've got great control, then he is probably going to give you a lot of pitches that are slightly off the plate. You'll be getting more third strikes when you show great control that you know what you're doing on the mound. It's all about throwing strikes and not wasting pitches. That is why pitchers like Greg Maddox and Mariano Rivera have been so successful. They can both hit spots. They are not overpowering, but those, but their ball is always moving. I don't think the two of them ever threw a straight ball. In Mariano Rivera's case, he is such a great pitcher. You know that the cut fastball is going coming every time, and that doesn't, and he doesn't make mistakes. That is the key to being a great relief pitcher, not making mistakes and knowing, where, knowing where to throw the ball. Relievers were a different breed in the 70s. They had to be prepared for any situation. That is how it was back then. If something happened in the sixth inning with the starter and he was getting racked up, I would be I would have to get in, I'd have to go in. There was no such thing as a wrong reliever or setup man and a closer. I was everything. We had to do it all back then. The difference today, teams every teams carry sometimes up to nine, 13 pitchers. In my day, when I was playing, we had nine or ten pitchers at the most. When you look down at the bullpen, you usually saw only three or four guys down there. Today you look down there, could be seven, eight, or nine guys down in the bullpen. When I played, I had to be the long reliever, the setup man, and the closer all in the same game. And when he did come in, it wasn't like it was, it wasn't like bases empty and there was no jam to get out of. Despite the physical demands, most relievers in the early days believed the job then was mentally challenging and fingers the sword, no exception. At the end of the year, you were more mentally and emotionally tired than physically tired. If you pitched in 79 games in a year, you probably came into the 60 of those games with a game on the line. It could wear on you more mentally. I believe that physically, because of all the pressure situations, after a while it was just another job. I mean, you come in and you just do what you have to do. You don't even think about it really. That is why if you do it enough times in a season, it will just wear on you. Figures experience coaches would only visit the mound to give him a breather. Usually when I came in, I wasn't going to see a coach again unless I got completely rocked. I do remember one game when A's manager Dick Williams came onto the mound. Came onto the mound. Figures recalled with a slight smile. He was there because I just gave up three consecutive hits in a row in a game against Chicago.
We'll leave one from 412423. Dick Williams came on to the mall and he was pissed off. He looked to catch a Jane Tennant because he didn't want to talk to me. Because he said I wasn't going to give him the truth anyway. He said that Jane Tennant's how's he throwing? And Jane said, I don't know. I haven't called one yet. <laughs> a six four or a six foot four reliever has a signature mustache that makes him look like a throwback to the early nineteen hundreds. I have the handlebar mustache and it's always such work for me, explained Fingers, the owner of the A's. Charles Charlie Finley offered any of uh, any of us three hundred dollars if we could grow a mustache by opening day in 1972. That was a lot of money back then. He did it because there wasn't any facial hair in baseball back then. We started it as a team, 1972 with the Oakland A's. And the only reason why we did it was to get $300 out of Charlie Finley. Then we started winning beginning in 1972. And then we won a World Series in 1973 and 74. After three World Series championships, it was tough to think about cutting the mustache off. Needless to say, those World Series championships were very meaningful to Fingers. You grew up as a kid and you dream of being in a World Series and getting that last out in a game and standing on the mound. I got the opportunity to do that twice. Doesn't get any better than that. Getting that last out of the World Series and winning it. I got Pete Rose to fly out to left field in 1972. Then got, then got a ground ball to back to me in game five in 1974 to win my second World Series. Hey, are there two moments in my life that I will keep with me forever? Fingers indeed. Fingers retired following the 1985 season. Took seven years by 1992 Fingers became just the second reliever to be elected to the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Clint Rowland preceded him. There's a couple things here that I remember. Um, you know, being a huge Brewer fan, I was 14 at the time. And uh, in 1981, he was, he was special. He was marvelous. And... Uh, yeah, he used to pitch, he used to pitch the, eighth, the eighth and the ninth for the Brewers. You know, they had, usually had a, some, so, so mediocre uh, guys that were in front of him, you know. It was not, it was not a special uh, setup man back then. It was usually uh, Jimmy Eastman was left-handed, Dwayne Bernard was right-handed. And they had, uh, they had McClure back then, too. And Bobby McClure is usually the, uh, Arm reliever. Um, what they had was they had fingers in the back end of that. And fingers was fingers won the Cy Young MVP, I think, his uh, the strike shortened year. And he was phenomenal. If they would get in the World Series and beat the Yankees, that would have been awesome, but they put him down in the last out in game. Uh, Game five. It was a five game series back then. But uh, what happened was, I'll never forget when he threw a splitter to Lou Whitaker and 
and got the Brewers into that uh, playoff round because of the strike and how exciting Euchre was. Um, it was just amazing, you know, and, and hear him say, you know, he says, goodbye Detroit, hello New York, you know, just, just Euchre, you know, it was, it was so awesome to hear him. You know, during the 1982 season, unfortunately, I think he hurt his back, and uh, he only could pitch like half the season, and I kept thinking he was going to come back in the World Series, but they never brought him back. And he says he was fine, he could have pitched in the World Series. But for some reason, they didn't bring him back, and they had Pete Ladd pitching, and in Game 2, the World Series figures would have won that thing, because they, they had a lead going into the eighth. And when I couldn't throw strikes at the end of the game. And uh, unfortunately, they, uh, they lost to St. Louis. But, you know, we all remember, we all remember 1982 as a group as them being champions. Remember, they had a parade for Robin Young won the MVP. And, uh, you know, it's like one of those things where. It's like one of those things where you just can't believe what's going on back then. It's so fun to listen to and so fun to think about. Because the Brewers have been close, but you know, you never you never really expected them to win. Not like it was back then. They really have had good bullpens doing good closers, but you know, things mean a lot to you when you're fourteen years old. They mean a lot more than they mean a lot more than me. So anyways. I'm going to read about, uh, all right, Goose, where'd you go? There's so many, there's so many pictures in here, it's unbelievable. There's like, yeah. So there's probably like, there's probably has to be 50 pictures in here. So Richard Goose Gossage, 1972 to 1994. So one of my favorite pictures. Richard Goose Gossage is a member of the old regime, born on July 5th, 1951. Goose made his major league debut on April 1972 at the tender age of 20. He played the majors for 22 years with nine different teams. White Sox, Pirates, Yankees, Padres, Cubs, Giants, Rangers, A's, and Mariners. The nine-time All-Star went 224-107 in 1,002 games with 310 saves. Of those 1,002 games, only 37 were stats. Were starts. <laughs> were starts. He finished his career with 10,502 strikeouts, which puts him behind only Wade Willem for the career strikeouts among pitchers who pitched mainly in relief, and his 115 total wins in relief still ranks third all time. The right hander retired by 1994 season, but relievers were still slow to be recognized for their impact on the game back then. So it took until late 2008 for him to be voted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. The word closer wasn't even coined a phrase in my day. 
excited and understanding Gossage. We're going to league pitchers. We would pitch three innings in on any given day. We weren't we were babies and only pitching one <laughs> one inning. It takes three guys these days to do what we used to do. We were the settlement and the closer. The same statistic did not officially come into effect until 1969. Gossage era of specialized relief pitchers, only multiple inning closers, workload, and resting bullpen arms was not thought of. It was the opportunity, Jerome Holtzman, who was instrumental in getting the save rule in place and for us getting credit for the save, explained Jim Gossage. He was really the guy who started the statistic for relief pitchers, not closers. Closer is a brand new, brand new name. I never heard of the word closer when I was pitching, said Gossage. I just want to say something too. I believe Jerome Holtman is the uh, same guy who worked for the uh, Chicago Sun-Times and, uh, sorry, where did I put it? Oh, whatever. Behind you. Oh. So Jerome Holtzman, from what I can re remember, was the, uh, he was either, he was the, he was either with the Chicago Sun-Times or the, uh, Tribune. And they used to have a uh, show back in the early days, like 19, I would say 1984 or something like that. That was uh, one of my favorite shows was him and uh, Chicago's Tribune, like Rick Talender was on there. It's called the Sports Writers. That was hard for me to remember. Rick Talender was on there and uh, uh, there's, uh, there's a few other ones I can't think of, but anyways. It was like one of the best shows that I related to because we're all sitting around smoking cigars and talking sports, and uh, it was great. It was really, it was really something. So if you can get on YouTube, I'm sure those fools are on there, and uh, you'll see what what it's like to be. Uh, it was they would never show that stuff today, but uh, you know that's the way it is today, and that's why the relief pitches are only throwing one inning. <laughs> As to me, that's pretty easy to make that uh, to make that statement. So I go. Starters used to pride themselves on finishing once they started. That is no longer the case. You go five or six innings, and that is considered a quality start. When you go in and negotiate a new contract, you won't you won't be a starter with that behind you in any day. In my day, you'd be in the bullpen or in the minor leagues. Further, explained explaining the job of relievers in his day, Gossett exclaimed, "We would work horses. It was a tough job, and on a scale of one to ten, it was a ten, both on the mental and physical side. Today, it is five. Back then, the mental and physical aspects of the game." would grind you down. You were placed in tough situation after tough situation all year long. These modern day closers face every, face very few guys with very few inherited runners. 
They start out in the ninth inning with basically no one on all the time. We always seem to, to come into a game in the jam. And you had, couldn't even allow the band, you couldn't even allow the ball to be just put in play, especially when it when it was a tie game. No one thinks no one thinks about it that way today. Everyone forgot what we used to do because some of these guys are so dominant in their one one inning roll up today. We really knew, we really knew when the call would come down. We went into the game at times just to keep the, the game in check. Maybe when the team was down by just one run. I would come into the, I would come into the sixth or seventh inning with the bases loaded and one out, and the manager brought me in the game to keep it check in check. So then we'd have the opportunity to win or stay in the game. Gossage a gruff and no-nonsense character had a unique way of getting himself psyched for some of those appearances. I used to have Thurman Munson back there catching. He used to come out to the mound and say to me, how are you going to lose this one? I'd say, I don't know. Why don't you get your ass back there and we'll find out, he'd say. Alright, say, okay, a-hole. Then he'd be running back to home, back to the home laughing as I think I was yelling at him. <laughs> Although Gossett believed the job was tougher in his day and he also has respect for relievers and closers of today. It is so specialized today. For me, Mariano Rivera is a great closer. And so was Trevor, Trevor Hoffman who had a terrific career. You know, 300 saves used to be the benchmark for a great career for relief pitchers in the way they used, in the way they were used then. The way we were used, we were certainly abused. But I love being a workhorse. The tougher the, the situation I came into, the better I, the better I was. Bases loaded, nobody out. Hey, that was when I really shined. I could get the chance to strike out the side of, or maybe get two strikeouts in a while to end the inning. That was the same, that was just, that was the best situation for me to be in. Starting the ninth inning with a three run lead is hardly a challenge. He continued, interestingly, he continued, interestingly, I had 700 more innings than Mariano Rivera. I had two, 52 saves of 7 plus outs and 310 plus saves. Closers today record a 3 out save by coming into the ninth inning. Something's got to change because that is misleading instead. 600 saves is great and all, but what a percentage of those saves were just one inning, and with their team of three runs up, three runs up. Any major league pitcher should be able to save a game that way, or he shouldn't have been in the major leagues. 
Gossage was a ninth round selection for the White Sox back in 1970. His debut came less than two years later with the White Sox with manager Chuck Tanner. Chuck Tanner was the first manager and he had a greater impact on my career said Gossage. I was a young kid. He taught me how to act like a big leaguer and everything else. Tanner was also the manager who put me in the bullpen. And relieving on his great closer, I'm sorry, and reflecting on his great career, <laughs> Gossage had a rough time picking a single, mo mo single moment that could be declared the his greatest. There were so many. There is not just one that stands out. I don't even know where to start. Certainly the World Series Championship in 1978 where the Yankees stands out was fantastic. But signing my first professional contract was big too. Being able to pitch in my first big league game was up there. When I made, my, when I made the call for the first time was special. There was also the first time I got to try on a major league uniform. And I can't forget when I pitched in spring training and was invited to camp as a non-roster player. There were so many firsts. There are 20 or more firsts that stand out for me at different times during my career that were the greatest. When we played 20 years in this game, there are a lot of great things that are normal, going, that are normally going to happen. The longevity of your baseball career lends itself to it. Alright. Just stumbling and stammering. Stumbling and stammering. I got through. Um, Goose was... Goose was the deal back in the 70s with the Yankees. I mean... You had Reggie, you had the Goose, you had uh, Chambliss, you had Willie Randolph. Those guys are all great players, but, you know, they did not, uh, it didn't work out too well when the, the Yankees were not winning and it got to put the nails in it. And that's put the nails in the casket to stay away the losing team. Thing I was thinking about too, I was thinking about there's, there's times I remember with Gossage that um, I'm thinking about the Cliff Johnson and Goose Gossage fights that they got into and uh, how they pretty much ripped up the locker room. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Cliff Trip Johnson or not. That man was huge. He was about 6'4 and 250 pounds all solid muscle. Him and Goose got into it, they just started ripping stuff up. Goose Gossett's pretty big, too. Um, was that was the thing back then, you know? And, and he's, still, he's still, I think it was 79. I don't think he even made the playoffs back then. You know, 70, 78. 78, they won. And, uh, they beat the Dodgers again and but uh, yeah, I think Brian Doyle was MVP or something like that but it, was, it, was, it wasn't as good as the uh, 77 series but 
you know, I, what they had going was uh, they had Sparky Lyle too. And the problem was with that Sparky Lyle was great, and he did an excellent job of uh, adjusting to his role because you know in seventy almost in seventy seven. Wild just before uh, Gossage got there. Wild was magical. Uh, this man was on fire. He won the Cy Young, and uh, they bring Gossage in. He goes to seven, and uh, I think it was Craig uh, Nellis. Craig Nellis, I said, he said that you know, Sparky, you just went from Cy uh, to Cy Cy Nora. <laughs> I guess see you later. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Those Yankee teams, you always got close, but you always had, they were good teams, that's for sure. They were worth, the other thing I was thinking about too is that, uh, just thinking about the playoff game with uh, Boston, and I think they brought Gossett in the seventh inning. Because uh, that, you know, it was right after Bucky Dent hit the home run to push the Yankees up by, uh, by one, and uh, they brought Gossage in, and he pitched the last seventh, eighth, and ninth, and he was he was a little shaky, but he got out of it. He got all the he got all the little gems, especially in the ninth thing. Man, man, it was incredible. So, anyways, nobody else has told you they love you today. I do. I say that with the power of love. Thanks.